Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, come to your word uh, this morning, I pray that uh, we would be handling it accurately. I pray that we would be approaching it not as we desire to approach it, as we recall it being approached, as we uh, think it uh, should be approached, but as you have uh, given it to us. Father, uh, those of us who are positioned to handle your word know that uh, we will incur a stricter uh, judgment, and I uh, pray that uh, what I would uh, say today would be truthful and would be beneficial to those who hear. May the uh, things that I say that are off the uh, mark be uh, quickly uh, forgotten, and may your message burn into our hearts and minds. In Christ's name, amen. So good morning, and uh, welcome back to the second half of our introduction to the uh, parables. We will, in fact, be returning to the Gospel of Matthew one week from today after a six-month hiatus. We need to lay some uh, groundwork for the uh, parables because, as Eileen mentioned, these are familiar. We've heard them, I don't know how many uh, times we know what they mean, they become boring. You know, can't we just uh, get to the uh, parables and uh, uh, get it over with and get on with uh, something uh, more interesting, more practical? because after all, we are pragmatic early 21st uh, century Americans. Now, last week, for uh, those of you who were here, uh, I postulated that the parables are basically uh, stories. I also uh, postulated that at least at some superficial level, they would have made some sense to the original audiences. And if we understand the uh, parables, we need to understand how Jesus' original audiences understood the uh, parables. We can get into trouble if we rush right over the top of the uh, story uh, into the explanation and when we uh, try to read our culture back into the uh, first century uh, Jewish uh, culture. And so we are going to approach one of the parables shortly, but first. Last week, we opened with a uh, parable from uh, 2 Samuel uh, 12. Uh, no, there is not, sorry, Eliab, I, I see the expectant uh, grin there. There is no video today. That was last week. But we opened with the uh, parable from uh, 2 Samuel uh, 12 for a uh, couple reasons. Number one, to kind of set the uh, groundwork for what we're going to be uh, doing over the next uh, few months, and also to remind ourselves that Jesus was not the uh, first person to ever use uh, parables. Parables occur uh, scattered throughout the Old Testament. They're a, a form 
that his listeners would have been uh, familiar with. And so uh, Jesus is not just uh, pulling this right out of uh, thin air. So why does Jesus uh, tell uh, stories? Why did the prophet Nathan tell stories? I mean, why wasn't he the, more direct? Why didn't he uh, just get to the uh, point? King David, the sixth commandment says, thou shalt not murder. King David, the seventh commandment says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou hast done both. Henceforth, according to the Torah, thou shalt be taken out and stoned to death. I mean, why waste time telling the uh, story? You know. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? The question that uh, we're looking at today is not original with us. It's been out there for at least 2,000 years. The disciples uh, raised it. Next uh, Sunday, Joe Stenkamp will be walking us uh, through a uh, story in uh, Matthew uh, 13, 1 through 9. And then, two weeks from today, Andrew Schaefe, having recovered from jet lag, will give us the answer to the uh, question as he walks us through Matthew 13, 10 through uh, 17. So, if you want the answer to the uh, question, you need to be here two weeks from uh, today. And yes, I know that next weekend is uh, Labor Day uh, weekend, but if you think that there is something in the story that might have missed your attention, you really need to be here uh, next week to uh, listen to uh, Joe. Um, I'm not going to answer the uh, question, even though uh, Andrew has been uh, concerned that my uh, sermon uh, title might uh, indicate uh, thus. Uh, as I said before, I am not a, a theologian, neither am I a middle school English uh, teacher. And uh, so today, I just want to offer a few thoughts, maybe just one thought, and then we're going to walk through a, a parable together. So here comes the uh, thought. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Skipping over to the uh, Gospel of John, but Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men, and because he did not know need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, most of the uh, sermons that you and I have heard uh, preached on uh, that one, it's like, well, he knew that all men were uh, sinful and uh, have fallen short of the uh, glory of God and uh, total depravity, and I'm getting uh, some feedback uh, and uh, all that, but, but 
I'm a retired physician, and so when I come to this uh, passage in uh, John uh, chapter 2, uh, I, I take a little bit of a, a different uh, uh, approach uh, to it. How many of you were here last Sunday? Okay, some of you are brave enough to raise your hands. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who weren't uh, here last Sunday, the folks who were here last Sunday granted me an assumption. The assumption being that somehow, in some way that I cannot even begin to explain, that I cannot fully imagine, Jesus was and is both truly, fully, completely human and Jesus was and is truly, fully, completely God. So for you folks who weren't here uh, last uh, week, the uh, folks who were granted me that assumption, you're stuck with it. In addition, the folks who were here last uh, Sunday granted me the assumption that as God, Jesus created you and me and all the rest of humanity. Now, they didn't realize that when they uh, did that, that I sneaked in the assumption that we are uh, created, that we are not just a, a random accident. If that is the case, if Jesus really designed us, made us, created us, continues to sustain us, does it not make sense that Jesus would know how we are put together? Now, if we uh, take that second uh, statement from the Apostle John at uh, face value, Jesus did not forget everything that he knew about mankind when he emptied himself, took upon himself the form of a uh, servant and was made in the likeness of men. So what does that have to do with telling stories? Let's take a look at some old research. 2014 in the uh, medical literature, if uh, uh, it's more than uh, five years old, it's uh, questionable. If it's uh, 10 years old, it's really uh, squishy. Uh, okay, what are you looking at? On the left, you see a, a brain scan that we call a, a functional MRI. Now, for those of you who are not accustomed to reading uh, cranial MRIs, let me explain. The, uh, the uh, gray areas are essentially, uh, well, they're relatively uh, inactive. They're not uh, totally inactive, but they're... Uh, uh, basically in uh, rest mode. The red areas are active. I mean, these are the areas that are, are really uh, uh, sucking up the uh, oxygen and, uh, uh, you know, really uh, uh, getting into it. This is your brain on story. The way these were uh, done, they uh, stuck folks uh, in the uh, scanner, read them a uh, uh, story, and, and you can see how the brain lights up as it's listening to a story. Now, what's really interesting uh, to me 
is if you look at the areas that are uh, lighting up, you see the uh, parietal lobes, which are involved in making uh, connections and associations and uh, forming uh, habits. You uh, see the visual cortex. Have any of you ever wondered why when you're uh, listening or reading a uh, really good story, you, you can envision what's going on? You know, same thing happens when we uh, hear one of uh, Matt Fisher's monologues. I mean, we can actually uh, see it. And, and then you've got a little bit of the uh, cingulate uh, gyrus, which, which is the emotional component. So you can see what happens to our brains as we listen to a story. So does this maybe give us a little bit of a clue to why Jesus tells stories? Stories are sticky. Now, I need to divulge some things about a couple of your elders. And I was uh, told by uh, Tom Hall that uh, what uh, is said in elders uh, uh, meeting uh, stays in uh, elders meeting, but sorry, the uh, slides are already uh, made up. There we are. Um, because of what story does to the human brain, and by the way, Jesus is not a neurological uh, reductionist. Uh, he knows that there is more uh, to the uh, human uh, soul than what goes on uh, between the uh, neurons. But knowing what uh, story does to the uh, brain, it is unlikely that Andrew Schaaf is ever going to stop referencing David Copperfield during elders' meetings. As we've been getting into the uh, sermons uh, in the uh, run-up over the uh, last couple of months, it's like, uh, wow, there are so many uh, layers to the uh, uh, parables. This is just like reading David Copperfield. We might as well just resign ourselves to the uh, fact that that's going to... Uh, continue. And then, how many of us knew that when Tom Hall gets really overloaded and really stressed, yes, David, he actually uh, confessed uh, to this on Monday night, he reads Shakespeare. Uh, okay, this is not in my notes, but for those of you who ever doubted that the other elders that, that I have the uh, privilege of working with are really deep guys. Now you know. So that's my thought for the day. Now let's take a look at a uh, parable. On the left is the uh, passage that uh, Cliff Reynolds preached two weeks ago. By the way, were any of you wondering uh, during that uh, uh, sermon why Cliff spent so much time telling a story? Now you know. On the right is the introduction to the uh, parable that we will be considering today. On the left, and one of them, a lawyer asked him a question, testing him, teacher. 
which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. On the right, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. By the way, how many of you uh, uh, just stuck strength into the reading of the Matthew passage? Okay. We do that because we're uh, so familiar with the uh, passage. But it's not there, not in Matthew. And with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered uh, correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, these two passages are similar, but they're not identical. Are they accounts of two similar but different incidents? Are they accounts of the same incident as recorded by two different reporters? I'm going to let you work that out on your own. In Matthew's account, Jesus' next move is to fire a loaded question back at the uh, Pharisees. In Luke's account, Jesus proceeds to tell one of the most familiar parables, as Eileen pointed out, in any of the uh, Gospels. And because it is so familiar, we need to caution ourselves against A, assuming we uh, totally understand the uh, parable, and B, skipping over the story to what we assume is the message. So let's set the uh, stage for this uh, parable. Jesus is on the road somewhere. He has resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem, understanding full well what's going to uh, happen there. He has made it at least as far as uh, Samaria. We know this because one of the uh, uh, villages says, uh-uh, if you're on your way to uh, Jerusalem, there is uh, no room at this inn. And uh, so uh, James and uh, John offered to uh, scorch the uh, place in the uh, name of the Lord. Uh, he has sent out the 70 to the uh, cities and uh, villages ahead of him to let them know that, hey, Jesus is coming, and they've just returned. So has he uh, made it all the way to uh, Jerusalem yet? We don't know. Um, is uh, Jerusalem uh, his home turf? No. No! Very good. Yeah, Jesus is from Nazareth, population maybe 150. I mean, Jesus is like the guy from Spray 
who is on his way from Mitchell, substitute Capernaum, to Seattle. But he must needs first pass through Portland. His 70 followers are going nuts. You know, we were casting out uh, G demons. Jesus says, yeah, I was seeing Satan falling like lightning uh, from heaven. I mean, you would think that the uh, Wheeler County uh, Rattlers had just uh, knocked off the uh, 6A uh, champions or uh, something. I mean, this is, this is the uh, setting that, that this parable uh, occurs. And, you know, it's... Keep that in mind uh, as we uh, go on. Then all of a sudden, this one guy steps in to rain on their parade. I mean, give this guy credit. 71 to 1? I mean, that takes guts. Or maybe a lack of understanding to the uh, social setting. So does any of this change our perspective on the parable that Jesus begins to tell? If it hasn't yet, just wait. Before we get into the parable, let's uh, go back and uh, take a, a closer look at the uh, introduction. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Is this an important question? Eternal life, important? Okay. Is it a legitimate uh, question? Yes. Okay. Uh, remember what you just answered, and you do have the right to uh, change your answer as we uh, get a little further. Why did this generic lawyer ask the question? Was he trying to set up Jesus? In that case, is it still a legitimate question? How does uh, Jesus respond? And he said to him, what is written in your law? How does it read to you? Now, is the uh, law Jesus' uh, comfort zone? Okay, we've got one yes. Is the law the lawyer's comfort zone? Yeah, we got a few more yeses. Obviously. I mean, if you were a lawyer, what might you be thinking right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus just stepped right into that one. Moving on. And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So, uh, how do you suppose the uh, lawyer uh, is uh, uh, feeling right now. 
And Jesus has just thrown him a, a softball, and he has knocked it over the fence. Back-to-back -back quotes from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. I mean, how much easier could this be for somebody who was steeped in the uh, law of Moses? Is he a little bit uh, more confident? Is he maybe a little bit overconfident? And Jesus uh, plays right into his hands, and then he gives him credit. He says, yeah, that's the right answer. Does this mean that uh, he's outsmarted Jesus? Does this mean that maybe he and Jesus really are on the uh, same side? Hold that thought. And then Jesus sticks in this short clip from Ezekiel. There's the uh, short clip from uh, Ezekiel. Uh, you've answered correctly, uh, do this and you will live. And I gave them my statutes and informed them of my ordinances by which if a man observes them, he will live. Jesus has just uh, slid out of the uh, Torah into the uh, prophets. What's he doing here? Is the lawyer still in his comfort zone? Is the ground suddenly shifting under his feet? Now, as we talked about uh, last week, if we really understand who Jesus is, he may be capable of just a tad bit of subtlety. You gotta watch him. And furthermore, if we are to understand Jesus' uh, parables, it helps if we're familiar with the, uh, with the Old Testament. All this is uh, prep work. Now back to the uh, parable. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We're familiar with uh, that uh, uh, question because we know what's uh, coming next. Uh, we know there's a parable coming next. As Eileen uh, said, it's a parable we're all familiar with. We know where this is going, right? Jesus replied and said, a certain man was uh, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went off leaving him half dead, and by chance a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, and likewise a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him passed uh, by on the other uh, side. Now, uh, one of the characteristics of an engaging uh, story is engaging characters, correct? 
I mean, when I first picked up War and Peace, and I uh, got to, the, to Tolstoy's description of the little princess with the uh, peach fuzz on her uh, uh, upper uh, lip, I mean, we're, we're not even halfway through the first chapter, and he's got me. If it had not been 1,250 pages long, I would not have been able to uh, put it down. And uh, yes, Caleb, uh, Tom Hall reads Shakespeare. Now you understand why I'm hooked on Tolstoy. Yeah. And look at the characters here. A certain man, a certain priest, a Levite also. I mean, these are, these are so generic. This is the, Jesus, this does not have the makings of a good story. Let me tell you that right now. Another robbery on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho happens all the time. Another shooting in Portland happens all the time. Jesus, you can do better than this. After all, you are the uh, Son of God. Um, now, one of the uh, questions that we ask as we approach characters, uh, at least if it's a, a Louis L'Amour novel, is uh, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Now, do you remember Jesus' primary audience? What was that? The lawyer, very good. Primary audience is the lawyer. Who's the uh, secondary audience? The 70, very good. Are you still holding the thought that the lawyer is thinking that he and Jesus might uh, be on the uh, same side? Let's take a look at the uh, sides. Quick introduction to uh, Jewish uh, religious groups in the uh, first uh, uh, century. Uh, the lawyer would have uh, clearly put himself on the uh, left-hand uh, side there. Now, Pharisees, lawyers, scribes, rabbis. The synagogue is their turf. Their emphasis is on uh, knowing and observing the uh, law, which is why he's thinking when uh, uh, Jesus asks him uh, about the uh, law, boy, he is stepping right into it. And then there were the Sadducees. They were all about the temple. They were all about sacrifices. They're probably getting filthy rich, selling lambs and pigeons for inflated prices. No concern for the poor, I mean, after all, it's us Pharisees who are the ones who are really, really meticulous about uh, uh, giving uh, alms and uh, scrupulous about uh, caring for the uh, poor. So, you know, we, we've got these uh, characters. You know, you've got the uh, hard-hearted uh, priest. Walks right by this guy. What do you expect? Gotcha. Good work, Jesus. Or then there's the uh, cold-hearted uh, Levite. Same thing. What would we expect from one of these uh, Sadducees uh, uh, guys? Busted. 
Nice work, uh, Jesus. I, I see where this uh, story is going. Two of the uh, bad guys uh, walk right by him. We know who is going to come to his aid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be one of the Pharisees, it's obvious. I mean, this is a, a really a thin uh, story. As we said last week, some of the uh, most uh, captivating stories include a plot twist. Andrew Schaaf probably has all the plot twists in uh, uh, David Copperfield numbered. The uh, reason that uh, Tom uh, thought Romeo and Juliet was uh, fluffy is there weren't any uh, uh, plot twists. Uh, so uh, who comes along and rescues this guy? The Pharisee, right? Wait a minute, it's not the Pharisee? A uh, certain Samaritan? Who are these Samaritans, anyway? Second Kings, again. This is where we need to be uh, familiar with the Old Testament. Uh, this is the uh, fall of the uh, northern uh, kingdom. So Israel was carried away into exile from their own land to Assyria uh, until this day, and the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from uh, Kutah and from Ava and from Hamath and Sepharvaim and settled them in the cities of uh, Samaria in place of the sons of Israel. So they lived in uh, Samaria, but they weren't natives. Uh, they were half Babylonian, half Cutton, and the other half, yeah. Um, but every nation, uh, okay, where, where am I? Yeah. Uh, so they uh, possessed Samaria and they lived in its cities, but every uh, uh, nation uh, still made uh, gods of its own and put them in the houses of the uh, high places which the uh, people of Samaria had uh, made. Uh, Nicholas, I left out an E. Uh, and uh, every uh, nation in their uh, cities in which they uh, lived, and the men of Babylon made Succoth uh, Benoth, and the men of uh, uh, Kuth made uh, Nurgal, uh, and the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the uh, Avites uh, made uh, Nibhaz and uh, Tartak, and the uh, Sephirvites uh, burned their children in the fire to Adremelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sephirvain. And this is the guy who comes to the aid of the uh, poor dude at the uh, side of the road? Is this who the lawyer was expecting? Going back to last week, was King David expecting the rich man to take the poor man's lamb? Yeah. 
does Jesus suddenly have that uh, lawyer by the throat? So the best uh, uh, stories uh, contain a uh, plot twist to really grab your attention. How's this for a plot twist? Is uh, Jesus capable of pulling one off? Does this mean that we really need to watch the parables closely? So where's uh, Jesus going with the uh, parable? This raises an uncomfortable question. Now, notice what isn't said here. First of all, the lawyer cannot uh, bring himself to say, no, I mean, he just can't say Samaritan. In his eyes, and we can see why from the passage in 2 Kings, you have Pharisees, you have Sadducees, you've got those uh, pagan Romans, you've got pigs, you've got dogs, and Samaritans are down there someplace. And second thing that isn't uh, said, unlike the verse uh, 28, Jesus says, you got the right answer. I mean, the lawyer did give him the uh, correct answer, but Jesus has brought him to the uh, point of coming to that uh, correct answer on his own, and so it's not, I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. He's got the uh, lawyer there, and now he's, yeah, it's over. So Jesus has told a short, compelling story, which has brought the uh, lawyer to an uncomfortable conclusion, and because of what this filthy Samaritan has done, he has proven himself to be the uh, neighbor. Now, where did this uh, whole uh, uh, discussion uh, start? Uh, well, uh, the lawyer asked for it when he said, who's my neighbor? Uh, why did he uh, raise that uh, point? Uh, because uh, Jesus affirmed that according to Leviticus, he is to love his neighbor. You see how uh, Jesus has uh, wrapped uh, this up. Okay, so much for the uh, primary audience. What about the uh, secondary audience? James, John, and the other guys who wanted to call down God's holy fire on these Samaritans. Okay, end of walk through familiar parable. Will we ever be able to reread the parable of the uh, Good Samaritan the uh, same way ever again? Okay. Let's go back and review uh, some of the uh, things that we uh, touched on last week. 
Let's assume that Jesus actually did tell his stories intentionally. Let's assume that he was not just wasting his uh, breath. And let's assume that the stories are still worth our attention. So what do we do now? Two more brains on story. This is an interesting uh, paper. Uh, they put uh, folks into the uh, scanner. The uh, folks who were in the group on the uh, left were in the uh, scanner, heard stories, and uh, you can see the uh, areas of the brain that uh, lit up. Again, the gray areas are uh, relatively inactive. The uh, blue is active. Uh, the uh, green is uh, more active. The uh, yellow is even more active, and the red is on the verge of overdrive. So the brain on the left is listening to a story. The brain on the right is listening to the uh, story, is being forced to process it. I mean, they're asking these poor people questions while they're in the uh, scanner. And then they're asked to retell the uh, story. Jonas Rice. Which brain would you rather have, the brain on the right or the brain on the left? Uh, I the, one on the, right. the one on the right, very good. You have answered uh, correctly. Do, do this and... And when they had summoned them, this is from uh, Acts chapter four, while you're looking at the uh, brains. And when they had summoned them, uh, Peter and John, uh, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the uh, judge, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Now, Peter is not talking here about exercising his right to the uh, free exercise of uh, religion. He's uh, telling Annas and Caiaphas and the entire uh, Sanhedrin that he and John and all the other believers have been caught up into a story so compelling that they cannot possibly shut up. This is what it means to have the brain on the right. Their brains and their hearts and their souls are on fire. So now what? And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he might touch them. But when the uh, disciples saw it, they began uh, rebuking them. But Jesus called to them saying, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Now, we've all heard that passage uh, uh, preached a, a number of uh, different ways. You're gonna hear it maybe in a slightly uh, different form now. Uh, Jonas Rice would like the uh, brain on the right. Jonas Rice would like to have the brain that not only listens to the uh, story, but processes it and then tells it. 
and can't shut up. Jonah, this is where you're going to get uh, brought into the uh, sermon in, in just a few. And Riley as well. Riley, uh, Jonah gave me uh, permission to call on you from the uh, pulpit. One of the uh, characteristics of children is they love stories. Now, this little piggy is not uh, bad for uh, starters, but uh, beginning from next week, uh, Joe Stenkamp is going to uh, start telling us a, a series of even more compelling uh, stories, stories of the uh, kingdom. And if you watch kids, um, they can't hear the same story enough. I don't know how many times I've read uh, Pete the Cat and his groovy buttons to our, our granddaughter. Uh, it is not sterling uh, literature, but you know, she can't get enough of it. You know, read it again, Grandpa, read it again. Do we have that same attitude toward Jesus? Tell me again, Jesus, I don't think I got all of it. Tell me again, I wanna hear it again, I wanna hear it again. God forbid that we ever get tired of hearing those stories. There's another thing that I've observed about uh, kids. Yes, Llama Llama Red Pajama is not bad, but it's, we've got a more compelling story, people. The other thing I've observed about uh, uh, children, and uh, Riley, your dad has uh, validated this for me, is that they love to, uh, to tell stories to other kids. and sometimes to adults. And Seneca has heard uh, Llama Llama Red Pajama so many times, she can recite that from memory, and she loves to. So, Jacob, when Riley won't stop telling stories to Jonah, that's okay. Riley, you're good. As Peter said to the uh, Sanhedrin, for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. It's true of kids, is it true of us? Now, what do we do with this? Uh, number one, the uh, obvious uh, is uh, we continue to listen to the uh, stories of uh, Jesus, the uh, parables that we're about to uh, hear over the next uh, couple months. And uh, number two, it is uh, entirely acceptable behavior uh, to uh, repeat the uh, stories to the uh, folks around us. Now, uh, when I was in medical school, there was a, a pattern that... Uh, we saw again and again and again and again. We would attend a lecture and then we would go out to the wards and we'd actually uh, do uh, what uh, we had just heard about. And today, you all get to tell a story.
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after dinner, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In a a few minutes, uh, we're going to tell a story. As we uh, come to the table, as we uh, take of the bread, as we uh, take of the uh, juice, as we remind ourselves, as we remind uh, one another, that there's a, a story behind what we're about to do. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you that you have made us the way you have made us, that uh, you have wired us for a story that uh, when uh, we hear your story that our uh, brains light up and our hearts uh, are uh, set on fire. Lord Jesus, we ask that uh, we would not only uh, hear your stories, that we would not only desire to hear your stories again and again and again and again, but that we would desire to tell your story again and again and again and again. And today, as we celebrate uh, the uh, supper that you've given us, uh, remind us that uh, we are telling your story. Amen. Amen.